0: In, in uh, Luke chapter 14, that's what we're going to be keying in on today, Yeshua tells a story about a guy who throws a big party and nobody comes. This guy, like he, he gets everything ready and he has this big party good to go and he invites all his friends and nobody shows up. So that's the story we're going to be looking at. If you ever want to look it up in the gospel of luke it's in chapter 14 verses 16 to 24. and i'll give you the context the context is it's actually it's a saturday and uh, yeshua and his disciples were at the synagogue that morning they were reading from the holy scriptures they were praying they're having some discussion and uh, you know he was like a visiting teacher right so anyway after the after their their uh, their morning deal was over one of like the like really elite religious leaders invited him over to his like Massive uh, plush mansion kind of home for lunch, right? So, Yeshua, who's like you know, the itinerant rabbi and all of his raggedy tag disciples, they're on the road, they all go over for lunch. And um, that's the context of Yeshua telling the story. So, basically, if you can imagine like Yeshua and his ragtag band of disciples, like you know, in the Middle East, they didn't sit on chairs, they would Maybe more like, I don't know, maybe they do that in Japan, I heard someone say or something. But it's more like you sit on the floor, close to the floor, and you lean on the table, right? And they're all eating, and they're taking their time, because it's a day off of work, and there's nothing else to do. So, you know, if you can imagine the master telling this story in between bites, you'll kind of get the idea, right? So if you can imagine him, say, you know, there was a guy, and then he takes a piece of pita bread and dips it in some, some uh, oil and vinegar, and, you know eats it, and then keeps telling the story. You're going to get the idea uh, of, of uh, kind of the, the, the ambiance of this, this story that he told it in. So basically, I'm just going to try and um, <coughs> tell this story. And I want you to ask yourself, as I'm telling it, who, who are you in this story, or who would you be? Maybe you've had experiences that you can relate to um, someone in the story. <coughs> so I'm going to so try and do that like, just, off, off of, uh, just off the cuff or whatever, just, uh, just for the experience. So, and I'll try and I'll try and repeat the story as close to how Yeshua told it as possible. And then I'm also going to tell like kind of a a more uh, modernized version that I think you're going to enjoy. So there was a man, and uh, he he was uh, pretty well-to-do, and he decided to throw a big party. And so the man, um, he 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 got everything ready for this big party. He sent out invitations to all of his friends. And then finally, everything was ready. And so he, uh, he sent his servant to go and tell everybody, the party is ready, come to the party. And everybody started making excuses. One guy said, well, you know what, I just, uh, I just bought a piece of property, and I'm going to go and look at it, so I can't come. And another guy said, oh, you know, I just bought five yoke of oxen, so I can't come. And another guy said, well, you know what, I just got married, so I can't come to your party. And so basically, everyone who was invited to the party had an excuse. And nobody came to the party. And so anyway, the servant comes back to uh, the guy who was throwing the party. (coughs) And he said, um, nobody, they all made excuses. Nobody's coming. And the guy, the guy got angry. He was, he was pretty mad. And, And understandably, I think they kind of set him up. It sounds like they kind of let him on. It sounds like they were, they were kind of suggesting they'd go and then they all made excuses last minute. And they backed out for whatever reasons. So he we said, well, you know, I have, I have this big party set up and we are going to have a party whether those guys want to ha- enjoy it or not. So he, uh, he sends his servant, he says, you know what, this is what I want you guys to do. Just, just get out around the city and just start going up and down the streets and the alleys and just finding people and, uh, and bring, it, bring them in, just bring everybody in. You know uh poor people, um, people like the kind of people that maybe you wouldn't generally have to your party. I want those guys. I just want to fill my house with people. so you know go get, go get poor people, go get people who are uh, dis- disabled uh, let's say if they 're crippled or, um, or using a, a wheelchair, a walker or um, people who are blind or people who are deaf and you know in, in our society those kinds of people are taken care of by the government um, often they have special housing situations in the ancient, ancient times though if you were blind or if you were deaf or if you were uh, crippled up or something um, you didn't really have the government there to watch out for you basically your only way of surviving was by begging and by just subsiding off of people's charity and uh, the kindness of people who wanted to throw you a coin or two, right? And so there were a lot of beggars back then, a lot of poor people. And in this story, the man said, You know what? Just go and invite all those people to my party. I have a ton of food, and, um, and bring them in. And so the servant goes out, and they just start to round up all these people and say, Hey, there's a big party. Come to the party. And so, you know, all of them start coming to the party, and um, the guy says, You know what? Well, even with all of these people in my house. I, I have a mansion. There's still lots of room. We need more people. So I want you to go right outside of town and just start going up and down the, the highways and the dirt roads and just bring everybody in that you find. I want my house to be filled with guests. This is going to be the best party ever, whether my buddies wanted to come or not. And so that's that's the story. And um, sure enough, they, they rounded everybody up and they had a great party. And uh, that's the story that Yeshua told while he was sitting uh, having lunch on a Saturday with this uh, religious leader in his, his big plush mansion, right? So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you kind of like a more modern rendition of that story, and you can you can um, see 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 what you think of it. So th- th- this my version is a story about um, Lindy and her friend Kyla. So uh, Lindy is a pretty rich girl, right? She has a big she has a big house. It's her parents' mansion, actually. You know, um, like huge uh, great room. Um, swimming pool out back you know lots of lots of acres of trees and things like that riding horses and whatever and uh, lindy decides to throw the the biggest and best party ever with her friend kyla and so like they go out and they just totally load up the back of their car with the like the prime steaks with grade a meat um... they go get like p- like $50 a bottle of wine and um, the, nicest, the nicest beer you can, whatever your favorite beer is, we'll just say. But they, they, they just get all this stuff and they make a big Facebook event of it, right? So they're going to throw this party and they have this big Facebook event for the party. And uh, they, they invite like you know their friends who are kind of on the same level with them. They say, you know, come to our big party and stuff. And it sounds like their uh, friends are going to come to the party, right? Some people even are like, join you. I'll come, I'll come, I'll come. And... Um, Shortly before the party starts, they start getting all these texts. And um, people start writing on the Facebook wall of the event. And they're like, Hey, Lindy. Sorry, can't come to the party. Uh, just, uh, I just bought a house. And then another is like, Hey, Lindy. Uh, her farmer friend is like, Hey, uh, Lindy, I just got a tractor. So i just having too much fun with my tractor. I can't come. <coughs> another friend like, Texts her and is like, just got married. Yippee! So anyway, all of, like everybody backs out, right? Nobody comes to Lindy's and Kyla's party. And uh, you can imagine how they feel, right? Like, just, they're totally, like, crestfallen and disappointed. And, uh, like, just really let down. So anybody, anyway, Kyla, like, Lindy has to make this decision. Are we just going to cancel the party and try and eat all of this all of this meat and drink all of this wine ourselves and they say no you know what we're gonna have a party and it's gonna be awesome this is gonna be the best party ever we're gonna pull it off and uh, all of our friends who made excuses and backed out they're gonna be sorry they didn't come to this party cuz it is gonna be amazing people are gonna talk about this party for years so this is what they did They, um, they opened up the Facebook event and they posted anybody and everybody can come to this party bring a ton of your friends um, swimming pools open, and we've got a ton of meat on the barbecue and uh, free alcohol. This is great. So they opened up their Facebook event for it, they um. And they um, they decided let's just not just have our uppity up friends. They uh, they kind of got burned. They're like all of our uppity up friends. They totally burned us on this one. We're gonna go to a different kind of people. And so Lindy she jumps in her car and she's like, okay, you know what, Kyla, you go to the hospital and the old folks home and just have everybody over there you can find. Anybody who's free, maybe. And uh, I'm going to go to the soup kitchen and uh, just, just invite everybody from the soup kitchen. And so she goes and there's the big soup kitchen lineup. And she says, hey, I'm having a big party. Never mind like your, your, your free bowl of uh, potato soup. I've got like free grade A steaks. Come on, just come to my place. Here's the address, right? And so there's this big stampede of people coming from all over to this party. Lind- Lindy goes to the soup kitchen and Kyla goes to the, uh, the uh, hospital and the old folks' home. And so they have like hundreds of people. But like, there's still like their yard and their mansion, it's only like half full, right? It's like, this, there's a lot of people and this is a pretty good party. But it could be better. It could be better. And so um, Lindy says, Kyla, what does your dad do for work? And Kyla said, well, he's a, he's a bus driver. And Lindy said, I thought so. Where's, where's his bus today? And uh, Kyla said, well, you know, it's, it's the weekend. He's, it's just parked. Behind his place. And then he said, Let's go take his bus and just start rounding up people for this party and just bringing more and more people. And so that's what they do. They, uh, they jump, they go and they, <laughs> they hijack Kyla's dad's school bus and they just start going up and down the streets and just hollering to everybody hey, we've got a huge party at our place. Do you want to come? And just jump in the bus, and so they're just picking people up everywhere they go, right? And before long, like they're just they've stuffed the bus, 50 seat bus, and and they have people like sitting on each other's laps. They say just keep getting in the bus, keep getting in the bus, and um they pack the bus out and they bring more and more people, and they just pack their place out, and they have an awesome party. And like people that would never talk with each other talk with each other, and and people that always look down on those people or whatever they actually hang out and and, and they they enjoy. They enjoy a beer together and um, friendships are made and um, they stay up like all night long until the morning because it, it, really, it really does go down as the best party ever in that town. They pull it, they pull it off, right? And uh, sure enough, all of Lindy and Kyla's friends that didn't come to the party, they're pretty bummed about that. They, they wish they had gone. So anyway, that's, uh, that, that's, my, that's my version of the story, trying to really, really get into it and how people felt and what, was that, what that was about, right? So, we're just going to ask those questions about the story now. The first question we'll ask is, What does this story tell us about Yeshua, of Nazareth, who told it? Because, <coughs> obviously, he was trying to communicate something that he was seeing happening around him, or that he was feeling. Um, here, here are a couple of things. Like, I, I would probably see the, uh, the guy in the story who threw the party being like Yeshua. Yeshua is saying basically, you know, I'm the king, um, I'm a very rich person, and I'm throwing a party, and I'm inviting anybody and everybody, right? So I think you could probably draw that conclusion. So, you know, looking at the, the guy who threw the party and then looking at Yeshua, here are a couple of things that this tells me about Yeshua. Uh, Yeshua is very rich. Uh, Yeshua is friendly. Yeshua is generous. Uh, Yeshua is joyous like he knows how to throw the best party you've ever seen. He really likes having fun. I don't have you ever seen pictures of Jesus when he's like really pale and grumpy or depressed or I don't know, he's just not having a good hair day, right? That's not the real Jesus. Like the real Jesus is a guy who loves a good party and can throw the best party you've ever seen and is right in the middle of it. He's the life of the thing. He's having so much fun, right? Like he probably has the biggest smile plastered on his face. He's probably laughing harder and louder than anybody else at the party. Right? That's Yeshua of Nazareth. Um, we, we see this, this guy, when everybody kind of like left him in the lurch and turned him down. He, he got angry. So that tells us, Yeshua of Nazareth, you can offend the guy. You can actually make the guy angry. Um, we also see this guy who threw the party in the story. He wasn't needy or dependent. Like, okay, his friends didn't show up, but it didn't destroy him. He wasn't devastated. He didn't curl up in a fetal position and bawl for the rest of the day. Right? What did he do? He just said, Okay. Let's have, let's make some new friends. Let's uh, go out to the city and have some other people to the party, right? So, um, we, we, something we see about Yeshua from this is, Yeshua is not a needy or a dependent guy. Like, he will make you an invitation, but he will not, like, beg at your feet and ball as if everything depended on you, because it doesn't. It's like, he, uh, he's, like he's the kind of man that isn't like a needy man that goes to a woman with, just to have his needs met. It's like the kind of man who goes to a woman knowing who he is and offering his strength. Is kind of more the idea. Um, we, we see in this, this story, I think it could also tell us that Yeshua isn't prejudiced. This guy wasn't prejudiced. He, he had people over that maybe society frowned upon. Um, this guy was trusting. He had like a bunch of homeless people and uh, dirty, stinky people and blah, blah, blah over to his place for the party, right? That tells me something about Yeshua. And you know, here, here's something really important to remember. Yeshua said, when you see me, you see God. Because I'm the son of God. So like when you look at me as the son of God, it's going to tell you a lot about my father. So you know, as we're talking about this, whatever whatever this t- story tells us about Yeshua, it's also telling us about His Father who, you know, is, is, is uh, in the heavens, so we can't see Him with the naked eye. But, um, so we need stories like this to help us understand our Creator. So, you could, you could definitely say, like, this story tells us that Yeshua doesn't measure people by the externals that most people measure people. Stuff like their income, you know, how many, how many figures' income they have, other social status... Uh, their good looks or their health, uh, the neighborhood they live in or the size of their home, whether they're a punk or a, a jock or, or, a, or whatever the case may be. You know, we have all of these... In our society, we make these little boxes and then we only hang with the people who are like us and fit in our box, right? And everybody else, we exclude them. It's kind of like we have this deep, perverse need to do that. And Yeshua says, I'm not like that. I look at everyone the same and I accept everyone equally. Everyone is welcome to my party. We also see in this story, like, this guy really wants a full house. Like, he really loves people. And I think that tells us something about Yeshua also. Yeshua of Nazareth really loves people. He has a really big house, and he wants his house full. He wants a full house. So, and there's room in his house for everybody. That's, that's what this story tells me about Yeshua of Nazareth. Um, what does this story tell us about Yeshua's kingdom and his kingdom culture? Um, you know they they nailed Jesus of Nazareth to a cross he was executed by the state but three days later there was very strong evidence that he was raised from the dead and most of his, uh, his his guys went on to actually lay down their lives and die bloody premature deaths to say yes he was raised from the dead we saw him we talked with him he sent us to tell you this message that was the message they went to the nations with right and so Yeshua is alive and he is like a king and he is so rich and um, he, when he is returning to rule from Israel. We read that in the, in, in, in the Prophets of Old, right? And so, I think, here's here some things that we could get from this. Um, Yeshua says his kingdom is best pictured as a party. Did you notice that? He didn't say my kingdom is best pictured by a church service. He said, if you want to understand my kingdom, think of a party. Think of like a big dinner party and you're going to get a little picture of what I'm all about as the King. Isn't that interesting? I think you could say therefore that, like, His Kingdom culture is a culture of joy, of uh, of celebration, of, of fun. Here's a little question along those lines: um, What do Yeshua's Kingdom and McDonald's have in common with each other? Happy meals? Smiles are free. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> There are lots of smiles. No, but really, like, you know, if you think of a party, like, people get together and party to have fun, to laugh, and and, and to smile, right? And maybe to forget their troubles sometimes, or or whatever. And um, Yeshua says, yeah, I'm throwing a party, and I want you to come, and I I want you to experience that. I think you could also say that uh, Yeshua's kingdom is the opposite of the kingdom of Edward Mike Davis. (coughs) Um, Edward Mike Davis was the owner and CEO of a tiger oil company based out of Texas in the 70s and 80s and uh, I I, I read a series of his legendary memos that he sent to his employees and um, You're going to get a kick out of this. I think this would be a great picture of the opposite of Yeshua's kingdom. Um, I I got these from lettersofnote.com, the Tiger Oil Memos. And this is a little intro. It says, From the offices of the now defunct, but at one time Houston-based Tiger Oil Company, come a total of 22 enormously entertaining memos, all sent by or on behalf of the firm's incredibly amusing, painfully tactless, and seemingly constantly angry CEO, Edward, Tiger Mike Davis to his staff. Little is known about the man himself, and in 1980 his company filed for bankruptcy. However, some years ago his inter-office communications thankfully appeared online for all to see. So I'm going to read you two memos that aren't immediately related to this talk, but it'll give you a feel for this guy, and then I'll read you a memo that totally dovetails with this concept of Yeshua throwing parties. Memorandum. Date, January 12, 1978, to all employees, Houston office from Edward Mike Davis. I swear, but since I am the owner of this company, that is my privilege, and this privilege is not to be interpreted as the same for any employee. That differentiates me from you, and I want to keep it that way. There will be absolutely no swearing by any employee, male or female, in this office ever. Signed, Edward Mike Davis. Memorandum. Date January 12, 1978 to all monthly salaried personnel from Edward Mike Davis this is how he opens in case anyone does not know who owns Tiger Oil Company or Tiger Drilling Co Incorporated it is me Edward Mike Davis do not let anyone think they are the owner but me and then he gives this long list of like where he just tears into his employees and kind of just reams them out for different things. And then he goes on at the end to say, Any employee who does not want to adhere to the items mentioned above can quit. If any of you think I will go out of business because I can't hire help, get out and I will hire the people to do the work. I don't need a job, you people are the ones who need to get with it. This is one thing that differentiates me from my employees. I am a known SOB and I care to remain that way. I have the privilege of swearing publicly in front of anyone or doing anything I want to because I pay the bills. When you work for me, you don't have that privilege. You are representing me. Don't act as I do. I am the only one who can act that way. You people are all to be respectful to your fellow employees and to other people we do business with. That may be deemed any way you want to take it, but those are my orders and I intend to enforce them. What you do in your home is your own business, but what you do in my business is my business. I am not a preacher, and, or I am not trying to save the world. I just intend to run my business the way I want to. This pertains to the supervisory personnel. Signed, Edward Mike Davis. Okay, now this is the memo that I really want you to listen to, because it totally applies to this concept of Yeshua's kingdom's culture. Memorandum. Date, February 8th, 1978. To all employees. Subject. Celebrations of any kind. Per Mike, Edward Mike Davis's orders, there will be no more birthday celebrations, birthday cakes, levity, or celebrations of any kind within the office. This is a business office. If you have to celebrate, do it after hours on your own time. Signed, Michael D. Carroll for Edward Mike Davis. So did you get that? I'll read it again, because I think it's like the exact opposite of Yeshua's kingdom, and what he is all about is our king. Per Edward Mike Davis's offer, orders, there will, no, there will be no more birthday celebrations, birthday cakes, levity, or celebrations of any kind within this office. This is a business office. If you have to celebrate, do it after office hours on your own time. So basically, Yeshua's kingdom is the opposite of that. Um. The third question we'll ask from this story is what, does, what is the good news from the story? What does this story tell us about the good news of Yeshua? <laughs> I think the first thing that comes to my mind is Yeshua of Nazareth isn't like Edward Mike Davis. Like He is generous. He is joyous. He is fun. He is kind. Those are some things that comes to mind. And that's good news. That the creator of the universe and um, his king whom he sent to rescue us all and bring us back to him that's who He is. I think it's good news that Yeshua is going to throw the biggest party ever, and that He already started to throw that party. I think it's good news because, you know, uh, very often in our city for instance, people party on the weekend, and they get so hammered that they can't even remember what they did the next day. I mean, that's kind of a rip-off, you know? It's like you wake up with a ha- hangover, and you can't even remember the fun that you had. Uh, bummer. Uh, the great thing is that the party that, you, in the, the party that Yeshua throws, it will leave you happy. It will leave you satisfied, but it won't leave you hungover the next morning. It won't leave you feeling empty and lonely and maybe even used the next day. And that starts right now. I, I, another thing that we get from this story that's really good news is that Yeshua welcomes us with, into His joy. Like, He is a joyous man and He's welcoming us into His joy al- also. Like. He is happy. The Son of God is happy. And He wants us to be happy with Him. Really. That's, uh, remember, when He comes back, what is He going to say to those of us, of His disciples who, who really accomplished the mission? He's going to say, good job, my slave. Enter into what? Enter into your, your Master's joy. So yes, we will have sufferings in this life. We will face trouble. It will be painful at times. But the end is joy. That Yeshua welcomes us into His joy. I think like, that's such a contrast to, let's say, grumpy people, or people with sour faces. You know, sometimes you see religious people who are just grumpy and sour-faced and stuff. That's not Yeshua. And that's good news. I think another, uh, another thing of good news that we get from this story is that Yeshua's home is open to anyone. And if, you are, if, you are, if you're poor you are especially welcome. If you're, uh, if you're broken and hurting, you are especially welcome. If you're homeless, you're especially welcome into His home. If you are sick or um, disabled or disadvantaged in any way, Yeshua says, you are especially welcome. I am, I'm sending my servants out to especially welcome you into my home, to my party. He especially cares for, for those of you who are in those situations. He, he's welcoming you into His home. He wants you to come home. That's, that's some good news that I get out of this story. And then um, finally, the last question we'll ask about this story is, what does this story tell us about how we can follow Yeshua? How can we, how can we be the best disciples for Him that we can be from this story? I think the, the first thing that really hits me is, it's possible to not follow Him. It's possible to hear His invitation and to turn it down. To rationalize it away. To make any one of innumerable excuses to back out instead of saying yes. Basically, like for every one of us, there is this point in our lives, and it is the most important five or ten seconds of our lives, where we hear Yeshua inviting us to his party. And we either we say yes, and then we, we start to go with him because he's on the move, or we say no and that moment passes us by and we come up with some kind of excuse and we rationalize it away and and we go hobbling on making up our own little lives and uh, dragging our guts behind us as it were. So basically there's there's that point in every one of our lives. It's the first thing that hits me from this story. Um, It's like coming to Yeshua's party, that means becoming his disciple. Entering into his house, that means um, following him. Right And uh, in, in, in the Gospel of Luke, in the exact same chapter actually, right after he tells this story, he's, he's walking down the road with his, his uh, band of disciples. And he's, his popularity ratings are starting to shoot through the roof. He's getting really popular with the crowds, and so there are all these people that are following along with him, and they're all like really pumped about things. And uh, he turns around and he starts shouting at this crowd. And he says, If you... Don't hate your own family members and hate yourself. You can't be my disciple. If you don't pick up your cross, which, you know, is a picture of brutal execution, of a very violent death. If you don't, if you don't pick that up, you can't be my disciple. And then he, uh, he actually he used two analogies. He used, a, he used a military analogy and he used a construction analogy. He said, can you imagine a guy who is going to do this construction project? Um, he's going to make sure he has the capital to do it. He's going to ensure he has the building materials for it. He's going to make sure all of those things are, are cleared ahead of time so that he doesn't start building and end up with a half-finished um, structure and have everybody laugh him out of town. And then he also said, "Or, or you, can you imagine a, a head of state and um, he has a conflict with another country. Can you imagine him declaring war on that country without first conferring with his advisors and checking with them um, with their um, their information sources and ensuring that they can actually engage with that country and beat them, basically? Because uh, can you imagine, like, let's say a little country like, um, let's say Paraguay. Can you imagine Paraguay declaring war on Russia or on the United States of America? I mean, the international community would laugh them out of the UN, basically, because it's just not going to happen. right? So Yeshua says that's the way it is. Basically, that, that construction guy, he, was, he counts the cost first. Um, when a country goes to war with another country, they count the cost first. And if you want to be my disciple, you don't just mindlessly jump on the bandwagon. You don't just assume this isn't going to cost you anything. This is going to cost you everything. And you've got to count that cost. Either you love me more than anything or anybody else, or you can't be my disciple. You are not going to come to my party. Either you count the cost and you're willing to bear some shame or be despised by your friends or maybe looked down on or talked about behind your back or whatever, or you can't follow me. He said. So he set the bar really high. He challenged people. He said, either I'm number one in your life or I'm not in your life at all. And um, that's something that that we learned from this story. Yes, there's a party. Yes, you're invited. And yes, it's free. But on the other hand, Yeshua's on the move and you're going to have to walk away from a lot of stuff to keep up with Him and to enjoy that party. Um, Another thing that we can get out of this story about following Yeshua is uh, throw parties. Like throw real parties. Parties that are uh, actually a lot of fun. And uh, that's something I really want to grow in as a community. That's why we're making this transition from gathering on Saturday mornings in the gym of a church building on the east side of PA in a pretty nice neighborhood to getting together at each other's places on Friday nights. We're basically we're going to be having house parties every Friday night at each other's places. That's why we're getting together in the park here. We are going to be throwing parties here in Kinsman Park, in the middle of our city. It's actually really cool because it's right between the east side and the west side, and it's really close to downtown. We're going to start throwing parties here as a community every Saturday evening, uh, Saturday afternoon. And actually, maybe we shouldn't even say that we're throwing a party. I really believe that Yeshua is going to be throwing parties this summer here at Kinsman Park, and He's going to be inviting us and anybody else to His party. So we're not going to look at this as my party. We're not going to look at this as our party as a community. These gatherings at Kinsman Park at 4 o'clock on Saturday afternoon this, this summer, this is Yeshua's party. And I really believe that he's going to uh, he's gonna give us some great times. We're going to have so much fun. I believe that he's going to release his joy in our midst. And we're going to have such a blast. And I believe that we're really going to sense his presence too. So that is, um, that is another thing that we get from this story. Yeshua throws the best parties. If you're a follower of Him, throw great parties too. That's an area where I think some of us can grow. We're going to have to break out in that one. And it's going to be great. Um, Another thing that we learned from this this story that Yeshua told, actually I'm going to read to you a very short passage. It's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14. Um, Remember I told you that Yeshua told this story between bites? kind of leaning over the table at this big uh, Saturday uh, late lunch deal, right? And a little bit before that, <laughs> yeah, here, I'll just read it to you. The Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verse 12. He sa- it says, He also went on to say to the one who had invited him, When you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends or your brothers or your relatives or rich neighbors. Otherwise, they may also invite you in return. And that'll be your repayment. But when you give a reception, Invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed, since they don't have the means to repay you. For you'll be repaid at the resurrection of the Tzadikim, the righteous. Can you imagine saying that to like, if you have a really rich person who has you over to their mansion? and you're sitting there with like all of this guy's all of this guy's friends and you don't even know each other well that well. Can you imagine being like, you know, next time you have a party, you shouldn't actually invite like a bunch of rich people and people who can pay you back and have have you to their houses next time, kind of that happy little tit for tat kind of game. You should have like a bunch of poor people over who can't have you back and you know, a bunch of disabled people and homeless homeless guys and guys like that. That's what that's what you should do. Like, can you imagine? I mean, only Yeshua the son of God would have the guts to tell somebody that hey, I just I wish I could have been there I wish I could hear hear like his I'll bet you could hear a pin drop. I wish I could watch his hosts face be like I Can't believe you're telling me this you know, but it was true. It's a really gutsy thing to say. So anyway This is something that we can do too When we throw parties when we have house gatherings when we have shindigs at the park don't just invite the people you're really comfortable with. Don't just invite your close friends. Don't just invite people who are on your socioeconomic level or people from your neighborhood. Invite people who can't have you back over to their place. Invite people who maybe even are homeless or um, people who are lonely because they're society's misfits. Yeshua says, I love those people. I want to invite people, those people to my party. And you're throwing my party, so have them over. Some people would say, how could we do that? I mean, those people aren't safe. Let let me tell you, Yeshua's kingdom is safe. And you are in his kingdom. And when you do what Yeshua said, you are in the safest place you could ever be. May I suggest to you, it's actually more dangerous to disobey Yeshua than it is to obey him. When you disobey Yeshua and stay in your comfortable zone and only have people over that you think are trustworthy, you are in danger because you're disobeying the Son of God. But when you obey Yeshua and you reach out in His name to the the people that maybe you would look at as a little bit risky or dangerous, it's okay. He's backing you. He's right there. And you know what? He's the one who did it first. And guess what? Our leader did get killed early on in the game. So, Maybe our measurement shouldn't always be, well, safety and that kind of stuff. It's, it's a thought. It's a thought. Maybe that's part of counting the cost, carrying our crosses. And then um, my last thought on how we can follow Yeshua from this story. In Luke chapter 15, verses 1 to 7, it's just the next chapter, um, some of the, uh, the really strict religious people, like the guys with long, grumpy faces, like the really grumpy face guys, they're like, look at the company that this rabbi keeps. Look at the people he hangs out with. Some of, these, these are like, I just saw that girl like, work in the streets a couple weeks ago. I just saw that guy like, ripping someone off in his taxes a couple months ago. These people are sinners. These people are low lives. These people are dirty. What's, what's Yeshua doing hanging out with these guys? And so, in response to these religious critics and the criticism of Yeshua and his friends, the company that he kept, he uh, told three stories. He told three stories about people who lost something and then went looking for it and then were really happy when they found it or when it came back to them. And uh, basically, that was his response. So in one of these stories, he said, it's a very simple one. He says, there was a shepherd and... uh, He was taking care of a hundred sheep, and one of them ran away. And so he left the 99 sheep to um, go and find the one that had run away. When he finally found the lost sheep, he put it on his shoulders, he carried it back home, he put it back with the others, and then he went to tell his neighbors. He was overjoyed. He just had to share the joy with his neighbors. And that was the story that Yeshua told It was really simple. But his point was, and he, he said this explicitly, he said there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, one person who, uh, who just ran far away from God and then finally came back to him, that one person brings God more joy than 99 people who are already good with him. What does that look like for us as, we're, as we throw parties, as we follow Yeshua? What, what does that look like for our priorities in terms of who we call on the phone, who we spend time with, who we invite to our parties. You know, are we going to spend all our time with the 99 who are already righteous? Who are already good with God? Who already think like we do? Or are we going to follow Yeshua and go after that one person that's way out there? That's lost, that's disoriented, that walked away from the Creator, that maybe never knew Him to begin with. Are we going to go after that person? Build a friendship with that person? Invite that person to our parties? And you know what? For a lot of us, if we grew up in a religious setting, we are culturally religious people. So we have this religious culture, and we kind of live in this religious ghetto, and we only spend time with other people who are like us and who believe like us. And if that's us, we are not following Yeshua. If He was to come to the city today, who would He be with? If there were 99 people who were already good with God, and there was one person out there who wasn't, guess who He'd be going after in this city? But here's the thing. This whole city is full of people who are far from the Creator, who are so disoriented. And those are the people that He wants to go to through us as we gather in houses and invite people over, as we get together here in the park this summer. These are the people that Yeshua is sending us as a community to. So this this may take some intentionality on our parts. Um, brain scientists and people who research human behavior say that if you want to start, if you want to get out of an old habit and get into a new habit it, you have to be very intentional and you'll have to practice it for at least 30 days, right? It's not going to come so naturally so you know, that, that's something for us. Let's, let's break out of our boxes, let's get out of our ruts, and let's be really intentional about starting new habits in terms of who we uh, build friendships with. To see those people influenced to, to come home, to come home and to, uh, to accept Yeshua's invitation to his party. As, as we follow Yeshua like this, we are going to encounter him. We're going to come to know him better. And I really believe that we're going to bring joy to his great heart. And that, that is what we live for as a community. I actually think it's a, uh, I I You know, the, the yesterday night we had our first gathering at our house and uh, then today we're having our first gathering here at Kinsman Park and I actually think that it's very very significant what happened because yesterday we had our first gathering at our house and you know we invited all of our friends and people from our community and nobody showed up except for one person and you know what we had a party we had an absolutely great time and uh, I just thought wow this is really this is really interesting timing and here we are at Kinsman Park and this is our first gathering at the park and nobody came. Just us. And uh, I, 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 think, I think that's a picture of something. I think it's a picture of the Father saying, you may not have grumpy-faced religious people really get on board with what you're doing. You may, not, you may have a lot of people back out, make excuses, and do other things when they could come to my party. And that's okay. Because people have done that to me and people will do that with you too. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Because this city is full of people that I want to my party. And I'm going to bring them in. And they're not going to be the kinds of people that usually show up at a religious events. They're the kinds of people that in ancient Israel is the equivalent of the poor people, the beggars, the homeless, people who are broken and hurting, people who didn't really fit in. Yeshua says, I love those people in my time and I love them today. I love those people in this city and those are the people that I want to bring to my party so if you have grumpy faced religious people who don't want to come to my party that's okay go to the streets go to the alleys bring people in to my party because my house will be full Yeshua says my house will be full for sure yeah and I mean you know of course, like, you know, it was spitting a bit today. It's a little cold. And there were some people who just were out of town and stuff. So it's not like, it's not like there's just nobody here. There, Some people actually had good reasons to not be here. I, I totally recognize that, right? So it's, it's but, but I just think, I think there's something to that, though. I, some, I think there's something to it that the first time we threw a party here in Kinsman Park, nobody came to the party. <laughs> yes. But it's going to be awesome. I mean, I really believe that it's just going to, Get better and better, and we are going to have some great times here at the park. And I don't—it'll I, be interesting to see, you know, when we start doing um, doing our dances and stuff. What that's what that's going to look like, and just uh, you know, Yeshua is going to give us ideas. This is this is his thing. So, so maybe not always going to look the same. We're not always going to do the same stuff. Um, but as long as he's here, as long as he's throwing the party, and as long as um as long as we're getting together with him, then it's going to be it's going to be grand. Thank you for joining us in this message. I pray that it's been an inspiration to you and your discipleship to Yeshua the Messiah. Crown and Messiah is a relatively small congregation with a massive mission. We're not just making disciples and teaching the word of God here in our city. We're also doing that internationally through vehicles such as the internet. It is our joy to offer you these messages for free at absolutely no charge. At the same time, we do have ongoing overhead expenses. It costs us something to produce these teachings and get them out to you. And we would appreciate it if you would, in turn, support our work in a practical way. Help us cover some of our basic expenses. You can do that by going to our website, crownofmessiah.com, and going to the donate page. Where you can make a one time donation or you can set up a monthly automated donation. I'm reminded of the words of Yeshua's Apostle Paul in Galatians chapter 6. He said, Let the one who is taught the word share everything good with his teacher. So if you're being taught the word by us, we would appreciate it if you would take the words of Yeshua's Apostle seriously and make some type of return for the blessing that we are giving you for free. That way, we'll all be in it together, and we will be a team accomplishing the mission that Yeshua has given us. And you will go from only being a receiver to also being a giver. If you're like most people, finances are tight. We understand that. Finances are tight for us, too. That's why we need people like you to come alongside us and to back us in the work that Yeshua has called us to do. Thank you so much for making that donation at CrownOfMessiah.com and thank you for becoming a team member with us. We appreciate it.